Welcome to this episode of Horrific History and Hauntings. I'm Beth. And I'm Ramey. We're your hosts, here to talk about the stories that the history books ignore. From horrific epidemics and ghostly hauntings to the catastrophes and tragic events that have sickened humanity. Speaking of sickened, I was sick for a few days and I have to apologize for my absence. And I know without my voice, the show just doesn't go on, but we did Uh our best. (laughs) And... Seriously, Beth and Dakota did an episode episode that we just made into a big crossover episode on some notes that I'd taken. Uh, They did the best they could of what I left, and I didn't feel good enough to leave much. So if you listen to that, thank you. And if you listen to our other podcasts, you also learned in that episode that we're switching to a Wednesday release schedule for everything. This podcast was already on Wednesdays. It's not a big change for anybody listening to this, but if you listen to the other ones, it is a change. And it's probably disappointing if you listen to all three of them and just to get one episode on all three podcasts, (laughs) and it's the same episode for each podcast. That was probably disappointing, too, and I apologize, but I couldn't talk. And I was trying to catch up because we normally have backed up episodes in case something like that happens. Things have happened where we had to use those episodes before the illness. We did the best we could. And now today we're actually going to be recording two or three episodes just so we can try to catch up on backup things so that won't happen again. It might also affect our schedule for this next couple episodes, the day of the history of the day or whatever that we do, it might not work out so well because it'll be all on the same day. Yeah. I've actually got one that I'm going to go into detail for this one. And then on the others is where I'm going to put the, where I just list off like, and don't go into detail. Well, what is today's? Today's, there was a theater fire in Vienna, December 8th, 1881. So many roasted sausages. No, not the sausage. This theater was popular not only for wealthy, but the middle class as well. And the wealthy people would sit in the front close to the stage, and they would usually wait until the last minute to arrive. About 6.45 p.m., a stagehand used a long-arm igniter to light the gas lights above the stage, which he also lit the prop clouds while doing so that were hanging up. That sounds like a terrible idea to leave them up there. Yeah. To put them up there. I don't care how realistic it looks. Yeah. This is what you get for um, not having regulatory councils and stuff that keep things like that from happening. Yeah. A fire marshal would have been handy. I think that's kind of what helped with regulating how many people were in a certain size, size space and the fire marshal thing. Because Joey happened to mention it and was apparently, I'm guessing he learned about it where he has to go through these training and classes and things for the fire departments. Yeah. And he was talking about that. The stage curtain caught on fire quickly because it's curtain. And the fire procedures for the theater were not followed, such as the iron fire curtain, which was used to restrict the fire, was not lowered. I didn't know that was a thing. There was no water hoses that were used promptly. (laughs) They just had those slow ones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think eventually they did get them, but they didn't use them immediately. (laughs) The stage managers shut off the gas, which caused the theater to go completely dark, which I'm sure helped make other people panic. I mean, there was a fire. Yeah. The balcony exits were jammed quickly, and the fire brigade brought ladders, but the ladders were too short to reach the first balcony. And they had multiple balconies, even the first balcony. Unfortunate. Yeah. They attempted to use a curtain to make a net to catch people that were trapped on the balcony, so they would jump. But some of them jumped off, I'm guessing, before this was done, off the balconies. And they not only caused their own deaths, but were crushing those on the ground floor. That were fortunate enough to get out the front bottom floor. Yeah. 
Eventually, they did manage to find safety nets, and that allowed people to safely jump from the balconies. And this apparently did save some lives. Witnesses said that it saved as many as 100 people. The estimated number of deaths, it was between 620 to 850 people. That's a lot of people in That is a lot of people. Yeah. If what Joey was saying was true, it makes sense as to why this particular fire would cause how many people you can have in a certain size space rule. Yeah. Man, that's a terrible thing to happen, though. Yeah, that's a lot of people. And the fact that it's estimated means they didn't have keep track of how many people were in there in the first place, I'm assuming. Well, you know the person in the ticket booth was the first person out. I wouldn't bring a ledger either. (laughs) But that's my detailed one for the day. And if you want to hear the others that I'm not going to go into detail later, you can listen to the future episodes. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> as, as they come out. This is chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on to the origins of Christmas. It's not the birth of Jesus. We'll go into that part later. That is not the reason for the season. It started as the winter solstice or Yule. Yes, Yuletide. The winter solstice happened, well, happens when the Earth leans farthest from the sun in the northern hemisphere. It makes the longest night of the year, and after that, the days start getting longer, and it's the official beginning of winter. Yes. The end of December was a good time to celebrate in Europe. Okay. This was because to not have to feed them during the winter, most of the cattle would be slaughtered, so not so good for the cattle. And the wine and beer that was made during the year was mostly finished fermenting and was ready to be consumed. So they were having a jolly good time, meaning you have feasts, you eat your meat, you drink your alcohol, fun time, party. Just a jolly good time. Yeah. The Norse and Scandinavian people initially celebrated Yule from December 21st through January. They would celebrate for 12 days by celebrating the end of the worst of winter. They would burn fires and feast. The men would go out and bring home big logs to burn, and they would feast until these logs burned out. The Norse believed that a new pig or calf would be born during the upcoming year with each spark from the fire while this log was burning. No offense to them, but it looks like after one year and they didn't have an army of cattle and pigs, you would know that didn't work. (laughs) Maybe their log just didn't spark that much. Oh, need a poplar. (laughs) The pagans today celebrate Yule on the winter solstice by gift exchange, joyful spirit, and spiritual reflection. I wonder what that joyful spirit is. Drinking? Mm. And it signifies rebirth, transformation, letting go of unwanted habits. There's like, I've seen these little spell jars that they have for that. And encouraging creative thinking. Think outside the box, but don't you start reading no novels, ladies. (laughs) Yeah. That's a callback to an old episode, just so you know. I think it's something I actually oh, think. No. It is the Weston State Hospital one, I believe. <laughs> Women were institutionalized for reading too many novels. <laughs> Some of the Yule symbols include evergreens, Christmas tree, uh, the Yule log, obviously. And now they actually are more likely to make a cake in the shape that resembles a log. Yeah, I've seen this. Yes, but the actual log was often oak or some other hardwood, and it was to represent warmth and light and the continuation of life during the darkest days of the year. 
In some traditions, people decorate and burn the Yule log. They'll decorate it before they burn it. I don't think I'm going to take the time to decorate something I'm just going to burn. I don't know. It sounds fun. Well, Imagine all the free time you had back I then. I decorate one and just put it up as a decoration, and then I just burn one that I don't decorate. I mean, all you had to do in the winter back then was sit around, try to stay warm, and drink beer and eat salted meats. Yeah. Smoked meats. So it makes sense. And some of the colors that are associated with Yule, white, green, red, gold, and silver. My favorite Christmas tree colors. I like gold, white, and uh, silver. I like red's my favorite color. I'm a real Martha Stewart. But I like the gold, silver, and white as well. But green represents money, so maybe I actually like green. It's also good for nature, so maybe I like it too. And Cthulhu. But I don't really like them mixed together. Because I don't much care for Christmas. I'm okay. I like the Grinch. I've got tired of the Grinch, to be honest. No, I like the Grinch. It's the only good thing. Before he grows a heart, anyway. Mm. And they have to ruin it at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Evergreens are popular Yule decorations because they symbolize life continuing. And some types of evergreens are pine, fir, cedar, juniper, and spruce. The use of evergreens in decorations have ancient roots including practices from ancient Rome. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Quite a bit, because the last few notes have had a lot of it. I I think about it very frequently. (laughs) In Germany, it was believed that Odin observed the people while flying through the sky during the winter solstice. And this was to decide who would survive and who would die during the winter. Those Norse gods, they're the caring ones. (laughs) In Rome, people celebrated Saturnalia. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I know every single episode, it's a problem. Is that how you pronounce that? S-A-T-U-R-N-A. Saturn, as in the, they, the Romans named a lot of their gods after planets. After planets, yeah. Saturnalia. Obviously, oh. honor of Saturn, which was god of agriculture. I don't know how they got that. I don't know either. Well, the sun makes things grow, so maybe that's how. Saturn is oh, the sun. Oh, sun is not Saturn. Oh. Sun is soul. All I've had to eat today is a honey bun, so... To celebrate the end of the worst of winter, like all the other cultures, I'm going to mention that a lot because that's pretty much the whole reason for it. The usual Roman social order flipped during this time. The slaves and servants were treated as equals and even sometimes voted. One of them was voted to be a ruler and they were given temporary freedom. There was also a celebration called Juvenalia. Juvenalia? I'm guessing that had to do with Jupiter. I really don't know. Or Juvenal. <gasps> that would make sense because it's a feast dedicated to the children of Rome. That makes more sense than Jupiter. Yeah. Who was basically their Zeus. Uh-huh. <laughs> so probably not, probably not Juvenalia is Zeus. And moving on to the Christianity point of this. Nobody thought to celebrate the birth of Jesus when Christianity first came along. And it was a new religion yeah, because it wasn't always around as much as people want to believe. At least there's no proof of it. Easter was the main holiday before then. It was a pretty big thing that happened. Yes. In the fourth century, Pope Julius chose to celebrate the birth of Jesus on December 25th. And the date was likely picked to align with the pagan holiday. They're culturally appropriating it so they feel more welcome into the empire and Christianity. (laughs) Yeah. This was an attempt to take over Yule and Saturnalia traditions by trying to blend the celebrations with the birth of Jesus. It was initially known as the Feast of the Nativity. I like it much better. Yeah, that does sound a lot cooler. The Bible does not specify the date of Jesus's birth, but there are clues that point to his birth being in spring or possibly summer, most likely spring, because if it was winter, the sheep would be 
inside. And I say sheep. I should have explained this more before. It mentions that shepherds are, what's the word I'm looking for? Doing their job. Herding the sheep. Not wanting to starve. (laughs) Pretty much the sheep were roaming around out. They weren't inside. If it was winter, when it was cold, they would have been inside. Organic, free-range sheep. In the Middle Ages, Christianity had mostly taken over the pagan religions, and church attendance was followed by rowdy celebrations, much like today's Mardi Gras. People do the drinking and having a rowdy parties. When I was in the Bahamas, there was at least across the road from most churches, almost every church I've seen, uh, even the tour guides pointed out, there was a liquor store <laughs> and a bar. So you uh. could leave church and go straight to get your liquor. <laughs> well... I guess if you're forgiven for your sins for the week, as people seem to think that's how that works, then go for it, I guess. <laughs> Just make sure you get to the church before you take ill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the sickness consumes you. Uh, <laughs> at this time, the poor would visit the rich homes to demand food and drinks, and failure to comply would typically result in mischief and pranks. You won't be throwing no eggs. <laughs> or toilet paper. <laughs> Maybe nasty poop sponges. Maybe some corn cobs. Isn't that what they There used? was no corn. What do you mean there was no corn? Oh, corn wasn't until they came to North America, was it? It's a new world goodie. And they thought it was nasty. Oh, didn't. see, I knew that, but it's not something you take the time to think about. I did, oh. obviously. You know, clearly you did. You're not normal. <laughs> I think about the Roman Empire. <laughs> I think about Roman Empire and corn. <laughs> it's corn. <laughs> what were they doing about such a wonderful thing? Oh. Christmas became a time for the wealthy to entertain and kind of repay societal debts. And that's probably only because if they didn't, their doors got knocked in and there was mischief and pranks. Basically, someone (laughs) would steal all the food out of their coffers. Yeah. Because people would starve (laughs) in the cold, the dark. Yeah. A little more about Christmas history. In 1645, Oliver Cromwell and his Puritan forces assumed control of England and canceled Christmas. I bet that went well. No. Christmas was soon returned when Charles II was reinstated as the king. Mm -hmm. The pilgrims who arrived in America in 1620 were even stricter in their Puritan beliefs than Cromwell. And for this reason, Christmas was not celebrated in early America. It sounds like a wretched place, not just because they canceled Christmas, but because I heard this somewhere and I believe it. They wanted to flee religious persecution to do their own persecution. Exactly. From 1659 to 1681, celebrating Christmas was illegal. And I want to say it was because of all the rowdy pranks pranks and things like that. It kind of caused chaos. More dangerous than Halloween ever was. (laughs) Those who got caught celebrating would receive a fine of five shillings. I'll never financially recover from this. <laughs> Next Christmas is going to be dull, well, kitties. I looked it up and it obviously changed just like the value of dollars nowadays. But Inflation. it was mostly a moderate amount. It wasn't high. It wasn't low. It was moderate. At least it was an execution. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfectly reasonable thing for him to do back then. Yeah. Back then, yeah. After the American Revolution, people didn't follow English traditions as much, obviously, and this included Christmas. Christmas didn't become an official U.S. federal holiday until June 26th of 1870. Well, now we know that. Mm -hmm. And that's when all of the businesses that you need to go to on that holiday are closed. Yep. There was also Christmas riots. Let's start a riot. 
a holly jolly riot. <laughs> In the early 19th century, there was a lot of tension between different social classes. I don't feel like that's changed too much. The high unemployment and gang riots were common around Christmas time. 1828, New York City established its first police force due to a Christmas riot. It took a lot longer than I expected. I feel like they probably had some sort of thing, police force. There had to be something. This event prompted some wealthy individuals to rethink and change how Christmas was celebrated in America. Pretty much they started being more generous around that time. Yeah. I guess you would say. Unless you work in the service industry and you're a server. Yeah, they don't become too generous then. They become more troublesome and stingy. And I'm not going to say that's just the wealthy people. That's literally all people. Yeah. It seems like most people. We're going to talk about Santa Claus. The story or legend of Santa Claus. It varies depending on the culture. And we're also going to talk a little bit, not too much, but a little bit about Krampus. The story of Santa Claus originates from a monk named St. Nicholas. He was born in Turkey around 280 AD. Oh. He was known for giving away his wealth and aiding the sick and poor. Nice dude. Yeah, I wish I would have known him. Earned a reputation as the protector of children as well, which I guess that's always nice. Protect the kids. In the late 18th century in New York, St. Nicholas became part of American culture because Dutch families celebrated the anniversary of St. Nicholas or St. Claus. I like that. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Dutch. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I hope I did well. The name Santa Claus originated from these, obviously. Would have never guessed. Yes. And I'll talk more about Santa Claus a little bit later as well. Moving on to Krampus, the fun one in Belgium and the Netherlands. He's a half goat, half demon. Okay. Half Santa. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just made up the half Santa part. Ah. Kind of like the counterpart. You got the angel, you got the demon, you got the good, you got the bad. This is supposed to be the bad. The name Krampus comes from the German word Krampen, which means claw. It punishes kids on the bad list and during Christmas time, obviously, the misbehaving kids. It's believed to be involved in winter pagan ceremonies. And the legend says that Krampus is hell's son, the Norse god of the underworld. Uh-huh. The Catholic Church attempted to ban him, but Krampus obviously won and still got linked to Christmas with the spread of Christianity because everybody likes that dark side. Yeah, more Even in Christianity, you've got God and devil and devil's supposed to be bad. God's supposed to be good. Because we all need something to blame our bad side on. Yeah. How are you going to know if it's good if you don't have the bad? December 5th, Krampus and St. Nicholas show up. It's known as Krampus Night. I want to say St. Nicholas actually shows up on the 6th. Well, it would be weird for them to both show up at the same yeah, time. It'd I think be a Krampus, massive battle. Yeah, Krampus comes on the 5th, and St. Nicholas comes on the 6th. Krampus punishes the naughty kids, as I said before, by beating them with branches and sticks, or in extreme cases, he drags them to hell or eats them. Real busy dude. Yeah. On December 6th, St. Nicholas Day, kids discover their presents or tend to their injuries caused by Krampus. <laughs> you either get presents or you have to put more bandages. Mm-hmm. Oh. Some little dark facts about Christmas traditions. Going down the chimney in European legends, sometimes they're helpful, sometimes they're malicious, but it's thought supernatural creatures were 
would sneak into homes by coming down the chimney. Okay. I think those are bats and birds. The horrific origins of mistletoe. Did you know that the word mistletoe translates to dung on a twig? No. Yeah, it does. And this is because it's uh, the plant would likely grow from the bird poop on a tree because it's a parasitic plant that attaches itself to trees and steals the nutrients. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah. I thought it just grew on trees, like as a tree. No. I mean, I think it is kind of a tree, but it's a parasitic plant that has to have a host. I didn't know that before. Now we know the rest of the story. The York Minister Church in the United Kingdom held a winter mistletoe service. And during the service, the criminals could bring mistletoe and would receive pardons for their crimes that they committed. Well, that sounds like a bargain. Mm -hmm. What if you could pay in advance? (laughs) I'm going to commit this crime. Let me just go ahead and give this to you. In Norse mythology, it's considered unlucky to turn down a kiss beneath the mistletoe. And I'm curious to know who the pervert was that came up with that load of crap. It's weird how kissing is a thing throughout history. Mm, Maybe I could go into that someday. I I see hugging as a thing, maybe, but kissing just seems like it should, you should know it's easy to get something from kissing, especially back then. Yeah. Moving on to the origins of hanging stockings. And this is more of a story, I believe, so. I would assume it was to keep things warm. Well. Yes, obviously, you hang your stockings and risk a fire to get them to dry because I'm guessing waterproof boots wasn't as good back then. I used to stick my stuff next to the radiator heaters, Hmm. which never seemed to actually heat anything up. I burned a many uh, articles of clothing that had the iron on thing when I would put them on the wood stove, try to get them to warm up and dry. Yeah, leaning up on the wood stove, we'd melt our clothes and everything. Yeah. The story goes... That there were three sisters who lived in poverty and were forced to become sex workers to survive. Oh, that's went dark. Yeah. (laughs) And the legend says that a bishop, who would later be known as St. Nicholas, heard about the three sisters' situation and decided to sneak into their home one night. Now. It was good intentions. He was caught coming out of that home one night and said what he was doing. And this is how that got started. I'm sorry. He found their stockings hanging by the fireplace to dry and he filled them with gold. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mine usually get filled with that's how toothpaste. I, that's and why tooth- the, the ladies of in the den of iniquities are covered in bishop's gold. I don't know what to call them. I think now you're supposed to call them sex workers. Yeah. At least what I hear a lot. But that word sounds dirty. Because obviously I feel like... They're doing this to pay their way in the world. Moving on to carolers. I never had any. This is another one. Yeah, we don't live where we would get carolers. And honestly, I'm glad. Did Scott tell you we had a pamphlet full of carols that was sent to us in the mail? No. And he wanted me and mom and you and him to go down there and start berating you from the door. I would lock it. I would lock <laughs> the door and turn my music up really loud. <laughs> he really tried his best to get us to go there and start reading off carols to you. <laughs> I don't even know what I would think. I, the flabbergasted. I would have been flabbergasted. Are y'all okay? Um, Did I miss something? Is the mental illness in the family finally snapped? And and do I need to worry about this myself? Are you going to burn my house down in the night? What's happening? (laughs) Well, that isn't too far-fetched, that comment, when it comes to the carolers I'm about to talk about. I'm not even certain if this one is just a tall tale or maybe it was just exaggerated, but I thought it was interesting in a way. In the 1700s, carolers didn't spread that much joy. Instead, they would get drunk and harass their neighbors. Oh, no. (laughs) They would demand food and drinks, and if denied, they would kick in the doors and break into the homes 
and steal and destroy property. And one of the sources I read also said raped sometimes. Another fun little fact. It's not exactly horrific, but according to the Guinness World Records. Guinness. Guinness World Records. The first song to be played in space was Jingle Bells. Even though I don't think you could hear it, if, but Beth, if because of the, the space vacuum thing. If they're not in vacuum, they could have been inside of a pod or I don't know a UFO. I don't know. Surely they have atmosphere. Yeah. Decorating gingerbread houses is thought to have been inspired by the Brothers Grimm fairy tale Hansel and Gretel. I could see where that came from. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mab had her hand in it. Yeah. And that's all on the origins of Christmas that I have for today. And also check out our Alphabet of Death episode, G through H, because there's um, in the H section a little bit about how holidays can kill. That was a good one. Yeah. Also, we have, it's not really Christmassy, but it happened on Christmas, an episode about the muck disaster in Saltville, Virginia. It happened on Christmas. If you would be interested in going back and listening to that one. That was quite a tragedy. Yeah. And disgusting. It was. At least it was white, though. You also get some good recipes. Uh, yeah. Remember that recipe book I found from yeah. the company that calls it all? Yeah. yeah. It does insist, that recipe book did insist that women are the ones that's going to be looking at it because of the age it came out in. It was like, yeah. <laughs> so it, was, it was like the 20s, wasn't it? It was meant for any good housewife is what it said. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was exciting. I learned very little new things. <laughs> oh, well, that's nice. Did you know about the sex workers? No, but I assumed, and the mistletoe. But I figured out that mystery as soon as I heard there was a bishop involved. <laughs> um, oh, <laughs> solve that, Sherlock Holmes of the Appalachians. Well, if you like what you've heard here, we are part of the Gruesome Gaming Group Network, and we have two other podcasts you can listen to. One is called Brother Knows Quest. It's a podcast where I tell my sister here about tabletop role playing games. We cover a different one each week. Uh, we also have Leveling Duo. It's a podcast for me and my friend Dakota talk about video games that we really enjoyed or that we have played recently. But most of them are ones that we played in the past as we were growing up. But we also cover the new ones. So you get a little bit of everything there. We've switched all of our stuff. We can put it on YouTube now. We're putting up videos soon. If you'd like to listen to D&D or watch D&D, you can see us do it on there starting here very, very soon. By the time you listen to this, it'll probably already be on there. Uh, also stream some games. Uh, if you want to see all of our links to our socials, our content, and our homepage for all of our podcasts, there will be a link tree link in the description. Uh, the first link will be the homepage of all of our podcasts, and you can go to each of them there, find a RSS feed, subscribe to the other ones, or leave a donation if you want to any of the podcasts you see there. We'd appreciate that. We'll give you a shout out if you do. You don't have to. You don't want to. Just saying. There's an email in there you can message Bethy on. And let her know something you might want to cover or any errors she's had in this. Errors, anything you want mm-hmm, me to cover, mm-hmm. any ideas for future episodes, or just simply have questions. Mm-hmm. Set up or, an appointment to fill her stockings of gold. Uh, that would be great. Fill my stocking. I don't have any stockings. but um, She never wears socks. You ought to see her really get the okay. sores on her feet after <laughs> she puts these boots on. I have socks, but not actual stockings. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to HH&H. I've been Ramey. And I'm Beth. Bye-bye. <laughs>